Christian Lord, guide my hand against your Roman popery. And they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. We're on a mission from God. Entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Maybe we should chug on over to Mamby Pamby Land, where maybe we can find some self-confidence for you, you jackwagon. Coming to you live from his padded cell high atop Bethel Church, the most heralded, the most despised talk show in all of human history. This is the talk show Hell Hates. This is Pastor Mike Online. And yes, here we are coming to you live from our high security skiff in downtown Festus, Missouri. Uh, We want a secure room so that nobody knows what we're talking about today because it's dangerous to talk about. Uh, Before I get anywhere else, um, this uh, showed up on Instagram. I have it on my phone, and uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be really high tech here, and I'm gonna hold the phone up to the camera so you can see the video. Okay, and I'm gonna turn the uh, audio on. Yeah. Hang on a second. Yes, very dangerous. Don't you people understand that the local news gets pre-scripted stories sent down from the top tiers down to the local places, and they tell them what to say. They tell them what to say. They tell them what they want the people to believe. The narrative belongs to the hierarchy. Um, I started seeing this several years ago, uh, and I'll tell you who who really put me onto it. I got to tighten this up, or I'm going to lose it. Was Noah Hutchings? Um, he told me years ago. Um, and I, and I was, uh, I want to re- reminisce just a little bit. I remember the first time I ever walked in uh, Southwest Radio's offices there in Bethany, Oklahoma. It's a suburb of Oklahoma City. And I was familiar with the area because I had gone to Bible college uh, south of Oklahoma City. But anyway, I had this book that I had just written on Bible numbers. The book would go on to be titled By Divine Order. And uh, I just walked in the office and uh, talked to the secretary a little bit or the receptionist or whoever. And I said, uh, yeah, I have this book that I think that they would be interested in. And I had it self-published from, I don't remember who the guy that, Jerry, Jerry LeGuire. He used to run ads in magazines that he could publish your book for you. So 
I had a few, few hundred copies made up. And uh, I had this copy in my hand, and I was going to leave it with somebody. Well, they sent Larry Spargimino out. Larry Spargimino is still there with Southwest Radio. And uh, I love Larry. Larry's a good guy. Uh, I, he loves the Lord. He loves the Word of God. He, he ministers in Pakistan and so on. And um, he sat down and, and asked me to explain this book. And I said, there are numerical patterns in the King James Bible. And he said, hmm. And he's probably, you know, I get it. We, we've heard things before from people that we, we were like, eh, I don't know about this. And he didn't know me from Adam. So anyway, I just went through like on the number seven. And I said, yes, uh, the, the phrase word of God is mentioned 49 times in the King James Bible. That's seven times seven. God's title of uh, most high is mentioned 49 times. That's seven times seven. And I said, uh, and I just reeled off a bunch of other ones, like the Holy Spirit found seven times in the King James Bible, the phrase Holy Spirit, seven times. So I reeled off all this to him, and I could see he's a little interested now. And he asked me this question. He said, so are you, uh, are you a follower of Peter Ruckman? And I went, I don't know who Peter Ruckman is. Now, I had heard the name, but I wasn't lying. I didn't know who the guy was. And... Um, Apparently, and I, I, I would, I would say this, I'm not a fan of Peter Ruckman. Okay, now I, I watched a few of his, of his videos, his TV shows that he had there for a while. He is a great uh, speaker when it comes to the gospel and the, and the chalk art that he used to illustrate his preaching. A great gift. Okay, but. Uh, he had some, and I'm losing my, I'm losing my, uh, hold on one second. I think I can fix this. I got a, I got a pause sinking uh, until tomorrow. There we go. Now that should help it out a little bit. There we go. Oh, we're back. We're back. We're back, baby. Um, I just recorded this Watchman broadcast Last night, I just edited it this morning. It just got rendered. You watched. You got to see it before it actually gets posted. And uh, But anyway, it's a, it's a reboot of the King James Code. I'm going back over the numbers again. And I'm going to share some, some updated information about some of the numbers. And so I, I, I walked in uh, Southwest Radio's office and I just handed them this book. And um, didn't really know uh, where it would go. But that, that began a pretty good relationship that I've had uh, with the people at Southwest Radio and uh, their ministry. Now, you know, Pastor Noah's gone to be with the Lord and praise the Lord for that. Uh, he, he did his service. But anyway, Noah Hutchings told me this uh, back years ago. Uh, he said, Mike... He said, we've been, he said, I've been in the radio business, you know, for a long time. And uh, he took over uh, for uh, a man by the name of Weber, uh, who I think originally started Southwest Radio Church of the Air. And back then, uh, you had all of these privately owned AM radio stations all over the country. I mean, they were everywhere. And some were... uh, 
you know, 100% Christian broadcasting. Some of them were uh, maybe part Christian broadcasting, part family, part country and Western uh, broadcasting, so on. But anyway, you had all these privately owned radio stations all over the country. And um, Hutch said that there for a while they were on radio stations everywhere. But as the as churchianity became more liberal and more uh, moving away from the word of God, that meant that if you had an uncompromising position on anything, you weren't budging. If the word of God is the word of God, then it's the word of God. And you're not, you're not changing your mind. You can't change your mind. This is how it is. Well, that's not the world that's out there. Everything's changing right now. And so Hutch said, Mike, what happens is these big conglomerate companies with tons of money, uh, and he mentioned some, uh, like I think Crawford Broadcasting, um, I'm trying to think of some others. But anyway, what would happen is, is that they owned a lot of the content that was sent to these radio stations. This content that these radio stations relied upon uh, for, to fill their broadcasting day. And they would say to a, a mom-and-pop radio station, um, listen, we've got David Jeremiah, we've got uh, Joyce Myers, we've got uh, This Is Your Turning Point, we've got all these top names on here that we're sending to your radio station, but you've got some people on your station that are pretty controversial, and so we're afraid that it's going to come down to it's us or them. Well, you're a mom-and-pop organization. You're doing this, and you're not becoming rich. You're just trying to get the gospel out there. You're giving local pastors uh, a way to reach you know, potential congregations. And, um, and so they tell you that you're not going to get the content or they're going to double the price or something like that unless you take so-and-so off the air. And Hutch said, all of a sudden now, we're getting calls from radio stations we'd been on for 50 years telling us that they can no longer run Southwest Radio Church's programs because Noah Hutchings wasn't going to budge on his position against Rick Warren and the Purpose Driven Church. And, I, and Hutch told me he got run out of his own church. He was attending a, a local Baptist church there somewhere in Oklahoma City area. Been a member there for years. Their pastor retired or resigned. That's how it starts. You get a changeover. The church brought in this other pastor, and all of a sudden now, we're going to change everything. And they, I wasn't planning on talking about this. But anyway, they're going to change everything. They're going to change uh, the, the music style. They're going to change the, the worship service. They're going to change the preaching. They're, in fact, we're going to get rid of this building. We're going to build a new family center and all this stuff. 
And Hutch knew it was coming right from Rick Warren. And he sat down with this pastor to try to, you know, come now, let us reason together like Jesus and Nicodemus. And, you know, sit down and say, hey, let's let's talk about this for a minute. And Hutch get, poured out his heart to him. He said, you know, this this Rick Warren guy, he's no good. You know, you're going to follow this. Yeah, you might double the the uh, attendance of the church, but what will you have with a church full of people that's still empty? Not bad. And so the pastor told Hutch, who had been a long, upstanding member of this church, maybe this isn't the church for you anymore, Hutch. Go on. And put him out. Essentially, he didn't throw him out. He just said, maybe you should find another church. And so he did. Took some people with him. But hey, but anyway, it's controlling everything from the top down. And so eventually, all of these mom and dad radio stations, AM radio stations across the country, they get bought out by the the bigger so-called Christian broadcasting networks. Same way with the Christian publishing business. The, the smaller publishing companies get bought out. They get bought up. They buy the rights to books that have been selling on bookstore shelves. And then all of a sudden, they pull the books off the shelves. Why? Because they don't want that message out there. They want their message in its place. And it's happening and it's it's been happening. It's it happened. Let me how, explain how it works in the public school arena. You know, according to the law, the federal government has no business telling a local school district what it can and cannot do. It has no business to. That's in the Constitution. It's in the laws. They can't do that. So for years. The public local schools were run and organized by a, an elected school board. A school board of people from the community who were elected to, uh, to run the school and to ensure that the children received the best education possible for their area. So how do you bypass that? The federal government can't come in and say, we're taking control of the school. How do you bypass that? You start sending that you'd set up a department of education and you start sending money to all of these schools, all, and then you promote teachers' unions. Worst thing to happen in American education ever was the teachers' unions. And you may be listening to me, and you may be in a teacher union, and you may not like me from here on out. But I'm telling you, this is how it worked. They, they started promoting the teachers' unions, the teachers getting these unions, and now the unions are saying uh, the school contract is no good. They can get more money. They just won't do it. And meanwhile, you're, you're not able to put food on your family's table and you're teaching all the way. You know, they tell, fill their head all this stuff about how impoverished people in America are. 
I will take you to Turkana and show you poverty like you have never seen before. So anyway, they fill their heads with all this stuff. Next thing you know, teachers are going on strike. The school says we don't have the money to pay them what they want. And so pressure is put on the school administration and the school board to finally take some of this government money. They take the money for the first few years, no strings attached, until they start saying, well, you know, if you're receiving federal funds, then your biology teacher in high school cannot teach or even say the word creation. Can't do it. It's already been proven in court. The Scopes monkey trial, they called it. And um, they, they won the case that evolution has to be taught in all the public schools across America, those taking federal funds. And that's how it, that's how it got started. And so now you have almost no local control. Yeah, by and large, the people who are going to get elected to the school board are people who are going to go along with the federal plan. You've always got rich people who are going to back certain candidates and and give them enough money to get their name out there to get people to say, well, I don't know who this person is, but I've seen their signs everywhere. I guess they're okay. I'll, I'll vote them in on, as the school board. And next thing you know, little Johnny, eight years old, is bringing home books, graphic books, on how he can enjoy himself better, if you know what I mean. Okay? And all of that's done from the top down. Now, I'm going to I'm going to give you an illustration of how God set up the original government of the of the nation of Israel. If you look in Isaiah, what I think it was it what is it? Isaiah um Oh my, it's Isaiah 33 or 22, something like that. Uh the Lord is our uh judge the lord is our lawgiver um and let's see here <clears throat> let's see here judge i know it's in i know it's in isaiah somewhere but anyway <clears throat> in isaiah it talks about uh the lord is uh our lawgiver that's the uh legislative branch the Lord is our judge. That's, your, that's the, here it is, Isaiah 33, 22. Let me pop that up on the screen for ye. Push the button there. Isaiah 33, 22. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. There you have the formula for American government. You have the legis legislative branch, the executive branch, and the judicial branch. And the way God set up the original government of the people of Israel 
from the moment they left Egypt. The day that they left Egypt, God knew, and hopefully the people understood, that they can't just go out lawless without having any government whatsoever. Really? That's your idea? That we ought to just do away with all government and not have any government? Are you kidding me? God, let me tell you something. If you don't know this about God, God is not interested in your anarchy. You think that you're sovereign and that because you say you're born again or you say you're a Christian, then you don't have to obey or, or be under any man's laws. That is not true. That is so not true. Jesus himself said it in, in, in the area of money. He took a coin and showed it to everybody. Whose picture is this on here? Whose inscription? Well, that's Caesar. Then render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and render unto God what is God's. Jesus didn't say, uh, you don't have to serve Caesar. You serve me, and down with Caesar. Jesus didn't say that. The apostle Paul didn't say it. He didn't teach it either. So the day they leave Egypt, they have to have some rule of law. And so God set up the judge system. Moses was uh, in the line of uh, the, the, the lawgivers, the, the judges of Israel. And uh, when things got too uh, heavy for him. Eventually, he, he took his father-in-law Jethro's advice, and he ordained 70 men. God put his spirit in them. They all prophesied. They were going to be the leaders of Israel. But the bottom line was, is that the word of God was the law. It was the rule of law, and it was the government of Israel. The only thing the judges did was determined on each case which side most coincides with God's law and which party in, in any suit that's brought before a judge, which party is guilty of violating the law. But it wasn't any man's uh, say-so who said, well, I know this is not in the law, but this is the way I think it should be done, so I'm going to rule in their favor. Uh-uh, you didn't do that. And there were judges over 50, judges over hundreds, judges over thousands. You see how he set it up? God set up the government to be local, small. And so you had local government rather than an all-encompassing power like with communism or the way the federal government is looking right now, an all-powerful, all-encompassing federal bureaucracy that rules over everybody. It rules over the several states. Listen, people, Americans, wake up. We are separated by states because every state 
has a different set of laws, a different way that they want to do things. If in if in Chicago they want to they want to take away everybody's gun rights, and if you want to live under that system, be my guest. Pack your stuff up, move to a farm in, in Illinois, or move to a uh, an apartment complex in downtown Chicago, and have a ball up there. But in Missouri. Our bullets will cross the Mississippi River if they have to. And that's what I believe in. The states still have rights. Federal government has no say-so over. Anyway, that is not what I was going to talk about. Um, what am I going to talk about? Um... I have I've had a couple questions. And by the way, you see my I'm getting a, a collection here. Oh, this one almost got away. I'm getting a collection here of creatures with abnormally large feet. And uh I I appreciate those. I'm gonna see if if these two guys can get along. Here, let me uh let me trade this here. There we go. If these two guys can get along like this, maybe we can, there we go. Maybe I can shove this guy in here like that. There we go. Squatch in a box. It's a squatch box. <laughs> All right. Um let me let me do this. I, I've had I've had people bring this up and and ask the question um, about about Bigfoot, about Sasquatch, and let me tell you, um, there is an. I'm going to try to pull it up uh, while I am sprecking here. Um, there is an article on Wikipedia. Uh, that, man, yeah, here we go, that I think it would help you if you wanted to look into the Bigfoot mythos, and I'm using that word, uh, I don't know why I'm using that word, but I'm using that word. Uh, the, the collective narrative of indigenous people around the world that have had interactions and encounters and therefore uh, stories I'm trying to I'm trying to say um, like they sit around a fire and tell stories uh, and I can't think of the word to use but anyway as the family is sitting around the fire somebody, you know, cousin Bob has come over and he's going to tell us about this sighting that he had last week out in the forest of of the wild man that they have heard about that lives in that area. And uh, here's the article uh, on Wikipedia. Uh, and just look up wild man. And uh, it says the wild man, the wild man of the woods, 
the wood woes or whatever is a mythical figure and motif that appears in the art and literature of medieval Europe comparable to the satyr, listen to that, or fawn type in classical mythology and to Sylvanus, the Roman god of the woodlands. Did you know the name Sylvanus is also Silas? As in Paul and Silas? In fact, he's called Silas, I think in the book of Acts, and then Paul refers to him in one of his letters as Sylvanus. And it literally, and it's where we, the word Pennsylvania comes from. Penn, William Penn's Sylvania means woods. Penn's woods, Pennsylvania. And so anyway, this article here, once I read it, I'm like, they were seeing, they were seeing a Sasquatch. They were seeing a Bigfoot in Russia, China, Europe. We know North America, sightings everywhere, all down in Florida, uh, in Fort Worth. I will tell you uh, a story from a man that I met several years ago. Uh, his wife uh, was at the Bible camp we were at. And she had seen some of my videos, and she knew I'd be interested in this. And she said, my husband's going to be here later on this week, uh, and I think you'll want to talk to him. He's got an interesting story. This guy came. He's, he's a, like a businessman, a salesman, or something like that. He earns a pretty good, you know, living and, um, you know, works hard, takes care of his family and so on. And he said that uh, he has a friend that is a greenskeeper at a... Um, uh, a golf course just outside of Fort Worth, Texas. Now, I didn't know that Bigfoot stories come from Texas, but I guess if you're going to be big, it's best to be big in Texas. So anyway, he says, and this buddy of his invites him to come. He said, show up tonight about 10 o'clock. And he said, we'll fish out of all these ponds that we have on the golf course. And he said they, the golf course stocks them. People can fish out of them. And he said, I know, I know where the best fishing spots are. So once you come out about 10 o'clock and I'll be at this particular pond and just look for me. So uh, 10 o'clock rolls around. He gets his bags, gets out of his car. He can see the, the pond. He knows where he's going. He's walking, taking a little shortcut. And he goes to this little patch of woods and he comes up almost to where the pond was and standing there with his back to him is about an eight to nine foot tall, hairy, bipedal creature. Humanoid creature. Hair from head to toe. And this guy just froze. And what was happening was this creature was staring at this guy's friend fishing in that pond. As if like, hey, don't take all the fish. I'm hungry. The guy says when he got up to him and he stopped and just froze like this. He said, this thing did this. And looked right at him. I would have had to have had a diaper on if that were to happen. Got a look at him. 
and then took three or four long steps and was gone. And he just stood there like, what, 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 do, I, what do I do? I mean, he just lost all sense of reality after seeing this thing. And uh, I believe, I told him, I said, I believe you. But anyway, this story, uh, let me read this part. I, there's a, this part of here is catching, catching my eye here. I'll see if I can um, highlight it for you. The Middle English word, um, let's see here, uh, is first attested for the uh, 1340s in references to the wild man popular at the time in decorative art as in a Latin description of a tapestry of the great wardrobe of Edward III. But as a surname, it is found as early as 1251 of one Robert D. Woodwoos, and this is referring to these wild men of the woods, the Woodwoes, in reference to an actual legendary or mytho mythological creature. The term is found during the 1380s in Wycliffe's Bible, translating the word. Uh, this is funny. The Greek word or the Latin word Pelosi Meaning Harry. <laughs> Pelosi. It's not the same word, but it sounds the same word. Pelosi. She's a squatch. Amen. <laughs> oh, I got to get some sound effects for this, man. All right. So anyway, uh, the Greek word. Let me see if I can read that here. Uh, oh, daimonia, a demon. Um, and the Hebrew word, I can't read the Hebrew, uh, but I know that word. It's Sair. And it literally means hairy. Um, and so that's, and we'll, we'll look at the King James here in a little bit. Uh, and it's, they, he mentions Isaiah 13, 21. The occurrences in Sir Gawain and the Green Knight date to soon after Wycliffe's Bible, circa uh, 1390. So, uh, we go then to the King James, and we go to Isaiah 13, where we have the mention of the Sire, but it is transliterated. There's a difference between translated and transliterated. Uh, translated is when you take the four letters of Hebrew, yod heh vah -Hey, which is God's name, the translation of that name is Lord. The transliteration of that word would be Jehovah. You're actually saying the word is what you're doing. And so here, uh, in these two places, Isaiah 13 and Isaiah 34, the King James translators chose to transliterate the word here, instead of calling it a devil or calling it a hairy goat or anything like that, they, they chose to translate, for whatever reason, they transliterated it and they used the word satyr. And so the Bible says, wild beast, and this is concerning Babylon. So Babylon is 
the absence, or excuse me, the opposite of New Jerusalem. They are two women that hate each other, okay? Uh, Babylon's the strange woman. She's a drunk. You know, she's got a cigarette in one hand, martini glass in the other, or vodka bottle, and uh, or vape. She got a, Now she's updated. She's got a marijuana vape in her hand. But that's Babylon. And um, so here's Babylon. And in Babylon, you have the wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls shall dwell there. I want to show you something freaked me out when I saw it. I, I got to show you this video. Wild beasts of the desert shall lie there. Their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls shall dwell there. And satyrs shall dance there. And along with that, you'll have wild beasts of the islands. You'll have dragons in their pleasant palaces, and so on. And we move to Isaiah 34. Uh, here would it go. And we scroll down here to verse 11, the cormorant and the bittern. These are all birds. They have wings, so they are representative of angels. And I got a phone call yesterday and that's going to sort of uh, be what I'm going to be talking about today. A, a man who attended the MUFON conference who got videos from our table uh, has been trying to get in touch with me and finally did yesterday. We had a fairly good talk. Um, you pray for him. Okay, you pray for him. But anyway, uh, the cormorant and the bittern shall possess it. The owl, there's the owls again. Uh, also, and the raven shall dwell in it, and he shall stretch out upon it the line of confusion. That's Babylon. Babylon is confusion. Uh, and the stones of emptiness. They shall call the nobles thereof to the kingdom, but none shall be there, and all her princes shall be nothing. And thorns, think of what thorns represent. They represent uh, the sting of death, sin, the strength of sin, the law. So, and... You know, God, the angel of the Lord, told Israel uh, back in Joshua and Judges that if you if you leave any of these Canaanites in that land, I'm not going to run them out for you. They're going to be thorns in your sides and pricks in your eyes. And then he says it again over in the book of uh, uh, Judges, where he said they're going to be you know thorns in your eyes. Thorns, and he's talking about the inhabitants of the land. Paul said that a thorn was in his flesh, and he actually said what it was. It's a messenger of Satan that buffets me every day. He's buffeted. Uh, some say that that was Paul saying he liked to go to the Chinese restaurant every day. That was pretty good. You know, buffet. Anyway, uh, but here we get, we have the satyr, the wild beast of the desert shall also meet with the wild beast of the island, and the satyr shall cry to his fellow. They call them Yowies in Australia. Why? Because they yow, they screech, they cry as a form of communication or a call of some kind. It's like um, the first time I ever jumped a flock 
of turkeys that were uh, roosting up in the trees during deer season, opening day of deer season. I walked down the road a little ways. I'm going to hunt the woods by our house. I walked down the road. I go into the woods. It's pitch black dark. I didn't have a flashlight. I'm walking, and all of a sudden, about a half a dozen turkeys all flew out of the, the coop at once. I mean, big flapping wings. Scared me to death. I stopped in my tracks. Like, what in the world was that? And I realized it was turkeys, so I let it settle down for a minute. I thought, oh, good. Took two more steps. There goes the other half a dozen of them. Oh, my goodness, why don't you stop? So I sit down in my stand, and after about 30 minutes, I can hear one turkey calling way over yonder, and then another turkey responding way over here. And directly, this turkey that was over here comes walking right by me. Never saw me, and he's looking for that other turkey. They're, they cry to each other as a form of saying, hey, we're over here, and we found food. Come on over here. Or, hey, come on over here. Let me show you our home videos or whatever. Um, but that's what the Bible says, and that's exactly the behavior that they are reported to have. Now, you know, I love, I, I love God's people. I love you. I don't, I don't understand why some good people relegate things like this basically to the nothing pile that it means nothing in fact we don't, we don't even we don't even believe that stuff well tell me what it is about that stuff that you don't believe are is it that you don't believe that the number of legitimate Bigfoot sightings just in America alone every month or every year is in the thousands. I mean, we're not talking about something that once in 15, 20 years that somebody sees or thought they saw. In this digital age, there is more and more video surfacing and they're not all wearing monkey suits. In fact, some of the video is so clear that it just discounts any idea of someone buying them. And by the way, monkey suits are not cheap. You have to ask yourself, why would someone risk their life Spend a ton of money for a realistic-looking Bigfoot suit, walk out into the woods with the possibility somebody may be out there hunting squirrels or hunting rabbits or whatever, 
the possibility of getting shot, risking that, walking through the woods with somebody that you know who's got their iPhone out and they're recording you and they're going to post this and they're, they're, the video's going to go viral. I mean, you have to ask yourself who le- legitimately who would do this. I'm sure there's always somebody. But their number is not in the thousands. And we're talking about people who have seen something that they don't want to talk about. Um, I, I have a pastor friend whose mother, um, she had, she got touched by one. Um, and I'm going to pull up Blue Letter Bible um, because there's something there I want to show you. Um, and it's about the word sayir, that Hebrew word, and how it's, how it's used. Because I think that matters in, in understanding what this is all about. But anyway, um, this happened. His mother, uh, who is in her, I think, 70s now, maybe 80s, um, I interviewed her, and uh, I asked her, I said, just tell me what you remember. And she said that when she was about 12 or 13, there was a, a 17-year-old girl that um, came up missing. And uh, in, this was in central Illinois. And she said, you know, no, of course, nobody knew, you know, where she went or what happened. But there was a story floating around that um, there was a creature in the woods, a big, hairy humanoid-looking creature in the woods. And she said the story going around was that that thing nabbed her and took her off somewhere. And uh, so she said that she had a friend, uh, a girl, who uh, was old enough to drive. She was about 16, I think. And she said that this girl friend of hers and her and her brother younger brother, I believe, uh, were going to drive. This is how young people think, okay? They were going to drive up to the spot where the police found her car, I think, and they were going to look to see if they could see anything out there. Now, if you already know and believe in your heart that a giant eight-foot ape-looking humanoid kidnapped somebody from your community, you don't want to just go up there and say hi or boo. <laughs> you don't want to do that. So anyway, but that's what they did. Sure enough, 10, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, they're driving up to this place. They get to the spot, turn the headlights off, turn the car off, and they wait. About 10 minutes later, here comes this thing. Walking out of the woods, walking over to their car, going to the front of the car. Got up on the hood of the car and was looking in the windshield. Trying to see who was in there. Then it walked around to the back of the car. 
picked the back bumper up, was shaking the car like this. Trying to shake, I guess if you shake them, they'll fall out. This pastor's mom said that she had her window rolled down. And she said, that thing came around to my side of the car. And she said, I am frozen, stiff. I'm not moving. And I felt this hand on my shoulder. And I said, what did you do? She said, nothing. I didn't do anything. And I asked her, I said, did you, did you smell anything? She said, yeah, it's an awful, musky, gamey smell. Now that matters because that, that is what is commonly reported. In fact, people will uh, often smell a hairy man of the woods before they'll ever see it. It'll leave a stench in a place, and they, people have said the stench hangs around for hours. It's, it's unreal. Well, um, I was telling my wife and my daughter this, and uh, my wife got on her phone and started looking up Bigfoot sightings, Central Illinois, 1965-66, and there was a whole wave of sightings in Central Illinois at that time. So there's a, 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 a coincidence of events that took place that tells me that it's very probable that she's telling the truth. She has no reason to tell me this. In fact, she has every reason in the world not to say anything because she never had. Her son, the pastor, did not know uh, about this until... I think she brought it up to me, and, and he was there or whatever. I can't remember. But anyway, uh, that's how that went down. <clears throat> and so I don't, she wasn't lying to me. I can't imagine uh, someone making up a story like that. Now, there's always somebody say, well, you know, that could have been anything. Really, what, tell me what it could have been. Tell me what. What in your world makes sense out of, let's take, let's take just one of the incidents that happened that night. And, and by the way, typical, I mean, this would be a Friday the 13th movie or a Halloween Michael Myers movie. The girl who was driving grabbed the keys, stuck them in the ignition, Turn the motor. And finally it started. And then it took off. Uh, take one, one part of that story. Coming up on the hood. Looking in the window. Touching her on the shoulder. <clears throat> Picking up the back of the car. Just one of those events. What creature that you know of would act in that fashion and would be clearly discernible 
from a bear or a big deer or an elk or some drunk guy which which makes sense to you um you, you got to be careful when you you can't call these you can't call everybody a liar okay um blue letter bible um i i use this because uh sometimes i do want to know <clears throat> uh, what hebrew word is used and so on and so i'll uh let me type this word in we'll type in the word satire kjv kjv always <clears throat> uh that's not true oh satires let me do this there we go there's our places right there isaiah 13 isaiah 34 now let's do this let's find that hebrew word and blue letter bible has a way of uh, you pick out the word here, like satires. That's in the Strong's Concordance. It's Strong's number 8163. The H designates that it's Hebrew. So Hebrew word number 8163. Let's click on that. And we have the word sa'ir. Sa'ir. Um, it has a root word. Let's open that up in another uh, tab uh, tab here, Sawyer, um, which means to be horrible, afraid, or to uh, come like or to take away as with a whirlwind, to be tempestuous, hurl as a storm. Um, okay, to bristle. Now that that sort of makes sense to me with the word Sawyer, meaning it literally just means hairy that's what it that's what it means hairy so you know you'd 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 be hard pressed to say the word sawyer means goats it it may have been translated as goats uh both by the bible translators and by the jewish people who spoke that language but the word literally means hairy. Now, uh, here's what's interesting in, in its reference to a goat. Is that in referencing the goat or the buck, I guess, a he-goat. Think of um, um, Baphomet. All right. But anyway, generally... The word sa'ir, when it's translated as a goat, it's a sacrificial goat. In other words, that goat is made to be taken and destroyed. All right? So that's generally the use of it. There is, however, um, okay, this is interesting. Uh, the One of the definitions here, satir, may refer to a demon-possessed goat like the swine of Gadara. Okay. Now, I, I mean, they're, they're welcome to say that if they want to. But we, we have more than two definitions for Sa'ir. 
It's translated as kid 28 times, goat 24 times, devil two times. Devil. Um, and when we look at that, let's see here. Where can we find that? Uh, Maybe hard. They sacrifice to devils, I think is what the, the scripture says there. Uh, yeah, right here, right here, right here, right here. Uh, Leviticus 17, 7. And they shall no more offer their sacrifices unto devils. And that word is sair. Okay, the, the word for the satire or satire. However, you, some people say satyr. However you pronounce it. Um, notice this. This, to me, is doggone interesting. The first occurrence of Sayer is in reference to Esau, who apparently, when he came out, he looked like an animal. He looked like a beast. When Jacob is going to go in and pretend to be Esau, what does he do? He takes goat fur or fur of some kind, wraps it around his arms. When his dad, who can't see, says, come in, my son, let me feel you. And so I can know that you're Esau. He goes in, he feels that fur on him is yep you're Esau what do you want my son he says I want my inheritance you got it boy you get the inheritance because you're my firstborn Jacob walks out he's got the inheritance Esau comes back daddy didn't you leave something for me sorry son but that's and I and I always think of what God said um, to Rebecca. Uh, let me pull that verse up. God said to Rebecca that it was too um, two different nations. Where is it? Yeah, right here, Genesis twenty-five, twenty-three, and the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb." And two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. The one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Look at this. Two nations. The word nation is, is a term relating to ethnicity, race, um, species. Okay? That it's, it's a genetic term. Like genealogy is genetic. It's, it's where did your DNA come from? That's your genealogy, all right? Two nations are in thy womb, and one of them is a beast. One of them is a beast, and there's no getting around it. So now there is a condition called hypertrichosis. Uh, I know this because, you know, I, I've studied Bigfoot stuff, on, but, but also I liked Ripley's Believe It or Not. And uh, I remember in one, one of the Ripley's Believe It or Not books, uh, Robert Ripley had uh, a story in there of, 
of Jojo the dog boy. It, it's a real guy from from uh, the Ringling Brothers, uh, P.T. Barnum's circus. He had, and there's a, uh, a whole family down in Mexico that practically everybody in the family has hypertrichosis. They, they're born with fur. I mean, it's like fur growing off of them. So it's possible that that is what Esau was. Um, you know, why, why we don't have any mention in the scripture of, her, of Esau's mother going, kill it, kill it, oh, get it out of here. Uh, we, don't, we don't have any mention of that. But he's clearly rejected by God because he's a beast, all right? Um, so anyway, that's, that's what I believe. That um, anytime you have uh, uh, see a rendition, let me pull the article back up of the wild man. Let's look at some of these pictures here. Okay. Um, whenever you have a, a picture of a satyr or a satyr uh, or a minotaur, um, you have this idea that it's the top half is human, the lower half is goat, or it's a horse, uh, or it's a, a deer of some kind or whatever. All right? Um, boy, look at that one. Look at that picture. That's crazy. But that's, listen, that's spot on. That is spot on. Uh, on the relative height to many of these. And, and, I want you to take, let me see what this picture is. The fight in the forest, drawn by Hans Berkmeier. Possibly have a scene from the middle high German poem, Siegenot, about Dietrich von Bern. Um, Sasquatches are known for being able to pick up standing trees, uprooting them and throwing them. This I have seen on video. Um, and that's what you see here. Is this, this thing has obviously, look at the root wad here. He's picked this thing up and he's fighting with it. Um, but anyway, the idea that uh, a hybrid species like a, uh, a satyr or a minotaur would be this half human and this, the bottom half goat or horse or whatever, beast. But in genetics, whenever you have a hybrid species of any kind, the mixture is, is, I don't know how I could say the word. It's, it's complete. If you pour black paint into your bucket of white paint, you will end up with a bucket of gray paint. You will not end up with your roller being half black and half white and rolling the wall. That's not how it works. When you blend 
things together into a stew pot. You don't have a section where all the meat is, a section where all the carrots are, a section where the potatoes are, the peas, and a section where the chicken's going to go. You don't have, or the spices, the spice, you know, your whatever. You don't have it that way. It's blended together. And it makes me think of Daniel chapter 2 when they said they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, literally pouring black paint into a bucket of white paint. You're going to get a bucket of gray paint. It is going to be a, a complete fusion of the two species. People who report seeing Sasquatches um, say that they are re- they're really taken aback and shocked by uh, let me get a close up you can't I can't get a close up on that uh, but anyway you have a, like a family here of sasquatches but anyway they say that they're taken aback by how human the face looks um, that it looks like a, a, a man's face and that that freaks people out uh, and yet it looks like it doesn't have a neck. It has more of a primate neck. In other words, the head is down below the shoulder line. Ours is above it. And so anyway, um, now, I said all that. Uh, since I started late, I'm going to run late a little bit. Uh, I, I got a call yesterday from a young man. And, um, I mean, he's got a lot of energy and, and, um, the, the fact that he, the fact that he called our ministry, uh, really blessed me. I mean, we go to MUFON to try to reach people and, uh, because they are a group of people who have a belief in something that is real but their belief about it is totally wrong. And it's, it's basically, it, it has become their religion, whether they want to admit it or not. So this young man came to our table, and he was given DVDs. Uh, he watched, he didn't tell me which ones he watched, uh, but he watched one or two, and he was a mixture of, I like you, but I don't like you. And I think a lot of that has to do with what he told me. He grew up in a uh, fairly conservative Christian environment and was taught the Bible and so on. And, he, and he, for a long time, he believed it, but he went to college. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I know they say that education, you got to have an education to get a good job in this world. I understand that, but I'm telling you, parents, if you have not inoculated your children against the the lies that the, the listen, I'll call it what it is: communist propaganda, humanist communist propaganda. If you have not inoculated your children against that when they go to college. You will lose them. And don't think 
that, well, I'm going to send mine to a Bible college and they won't stray there. Oh, yes, they will. Oh, yes, they will. I won't tell you stories of what I know can happen at a Bible college, but I know what can happen at a Bible college. Now, uh, he said that his objection to, he said he believed in God until, I guess, and I don't, I don't know what way it was presented to him or what way he presented it to me, but it was the idea that, um, and I've heard this before from a lot of people, if there's a God and he's so loving, why does he let these people get hurt? Why did so-and-so die? Why did, uh, why did my sister get abused? Uh, if there is a God, how come my mother and father were taken from me in a car wreck? Or, you know, how come my father beat on us because he was a drunk alcoholic and, you know, he beat on us boys and raped our sister and all that stuff. You know, they ask, they say that if there's a God, why does he let this go on? And I told him, I said, guess what? I said, I just preached on this Sunday, yesterday and this was yesterday I was talking to him, so it would have been Sunday. But I said, I just preached on this. And I said, if you if you want to go and listen to it, you can. Um, anyway, he told me this, that he has been in contact with what he believes is an alien entity. And he said, it's a, um, and this is going to sound weird to some of you, so get ready. He said, it's a praying mantis uh, type of entity. Yeah, that's a little scary. But um, I've heard that before from several, several people. Um, that is a commonly reported, and I would say legitimate sighting. He says that this, this mantid and these, these mantid aliens tend to be um, very powerful. In other words, they tend to be at the top of the food chain. Um, they're, they're very powerful. They are usually in charge when they're around other aliens like little greys. They're, they're usually in charge. Um, I think the closest analogy um, that I could point to in the scriptures, um, and I'm going to do a little bit more study into this particular aspect of it, the, the praying mantis aliens. What are they? But remember in Joel chapter 1, Joel mentioned four types of, of insectoids and that's really what this mantid falls in the classification of he is an insect alloid or insectoid being you have the reptilians the nordic the grays you have the insectoids um so he says here in verse four that which the palmer worm has left 
hath the locust eaten. And that which the locust hath left hath the cankerworm eaten. And that which the cankerworm hath left hath the caterpillar eaten. Uh, awake ye drunkards and weep and howl, all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and at the cheek teeth of a great lion. He hath laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree. Now we know, we know that this army is, uh, it's not the new apostolic reformation. It's not. It, it, it is an army of, get ready for this, insectoid aliens. Now, what I just said was, I'm going to say it a different way. The fifth trumpet sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and out of the pit came forth fire and smoke. And out of the smoke came forth locusts. They're insectoids. Locusts. Great big locusts with the tails of scorpions. The face of a man. The hair of a woman. All right? So that's, I think, what these people are dealing with. And notice that the presence of these creatures, these spirits, these devils, um, is the result of the fact that the new wine is gone. So here's this young man, and, you know, I feel bad for him because he lost his faith. I would like for him to gain it back. But he has got this, this devil, this spirit, a seducing spirit that is giving him the so-called ability to astral project. He believes that he can go into a trance and just go anywhere he wants. He can go out into space. Um, he believes that he has you know, certain psychic powers. And um, you know, I didn't feel like I could talk him out of it yesterday at the time. I mean, I tried to, but... Um, he liked to talk over me a lot. I mean, maybe it's just his nature. I don't think he was doing it just to me. So I didn't take offense at it. But he asked the question, how come it has to be by Christians that if angels are bad, they're only all bad? And if angels are good, they're only all good. In other words, he said, don't you think it's possible that these aliens, though they do some bad things, that they can still be good? And it's a good question. I'm glad that I'm glad that I took the call. I'm glad that I was here. I'm glad that he got through and he and he asked me that question. And I told him, I said, well, he said, can you, can you tell me why it, why it is that you believe that? So I thought of Revelation chapter 12. 
Um, and in Revelation chapter 12, this is what I told him. I said, you have a very clear um, line that has been drawn in heaven. You have, a, you have a war going on in heaven. And in that war, you have a third of the angels who are fighting alongside Lucifer. And then the other two-thirds of the angels are fighting alongside Michael. Michael is a very powerful angel. He is an archangel. He is the one of the top angels. General Michael, all right? Um, you don't see any reference to angels who are in the crossfire, who are neither all good or all bad. They're just angels that are trying to get through this world, this crazy world that we live in, doing the best that they can. Okay? And I guess that's what he believes. He believes that these aliens that he, I mean, he picked up from me that I teach that they are devils, demons. And um, so he said that, you know, I have a problem with that because he believes that the alien, this insectoid that's that's visiting him, uh, is benefiting him. And I, I, I tried to say to him, no, you're being set up. Uh, but I don't know that he, I don't know that I said it. I don't know if he heard it, if I did, because he, he talked fast and he talked a lot. So I've been, I, you know, I want you to pray for him and, and I've been praying for him and I, I just want you to, you know, God knows who it is. But if this question is ever asked of you, well, because he brought it up about us and he said, okay, you're a, you're like a Christian minister and, uh, you know, you do good things, uh, you know, for your church and so on. And, uh, but he said, uh, you know, do, do you sin? I said, yeah, I'm not perfect. I know that. And he said, yeah, so that's my point. I, he said that, you know, we have people that can be good people. Every now and then they do bad things. And I explained to him or I tried to explain to him that even though God made man a little lower than the angels, he will exalt man and has exalted man to a position above angels so that we, when it's all said and done, will sit on thrones and we will judge angels, just like the 70 elders of Israel, the Sanhedrin. They, they will be the, we will be the judges of Israel. We will judge angels. Some of them we will condemn. But the bottom line is, angels do not have access to redemption, repentance, or forgiveness. There is nothing in the scriptures that indicates or even hints to us that angels can be forgiven of wrongdoing. In fact, you have the opposite. You have uh, in the book of Job, 
God charging um, his angels with folly. It's in uh, Job chapter 4, I think. He, he's charged his angels with folly. The, I believe that's the ones who mated with the women and created the giants. Well, what's he going to do? They're in prison right now. I believe he's going to bring them out one of these days. He's going to cast the sentence of judgment upon them and then take them and throw them into the lake of fire. And they're going to burn forever and ever there. And it's going to hurt real bad. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because that was created for the devil and his angels. So we don't, we don't have... We don't have any place in there in the Bible where an angel is granted forgiveness, nor do we see any angel repenting or saying, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Peter said, he's using the analogy of false teachers being related to evil spirits, seducing spirits with doctrines of devils. And he says, these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. That's what they're there for. So I just, you know, tried to lay it out to him as best as I could. Um, the fact that I, I just don't see angels having access to the cross, the power of the cross, the victory of the cross, the forgiveness of the cross. You don't see any angels being a part of that or being allowed to have access to God's forgiveness. You would think, I guess, that angels ought to know better. I mean, they're right there with God. They can see God every day. They can see heaven. They know they don't have to live by faith. They live by sight. They see God and his celestial kingdom every day. It's no mystery to them. It is to us. We're walking by faith, not by sight. We can't see heaven. I can see the first heaven. I can see the second one, but the third one I can't see. And so we have to live by faith. We have to trust that this Bible is 100% true in everything that it says. And if it, if it comes out, and probably Thursday I'm going to talk about this, the, the new revelations that are coming out about UFOs. It, something happened in Washington, D.C. It's going to blow your mind. I mean, absolutely, it'll fry your taters, okay? Uh, I was mad when I heard it. But anyway, um, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that issue uh, on Thursday. But today, let, let's just say that maybe in, in, in a year or two, a hunter or somebody's going to come forward with a Sasquatch dead. Okay. Um, science having access to it. 
public knowledge being what it is with social media and so on. Um, what what would you what would you say? And then how would you respond to that? Because I think the Bible is telling us plainly that they are directly involved in God's plan of judgment against Babylon. And um, so I, I think I I think these topics, while it was easy to just ignore them years ago, it's not easy now because you've got people in your church that have seen things, but they can't bring it up. They can't talk about it. Makes everybody uncomfortable and people start laughing nervously and, well, we just can't have that. And I'm not saying that every preacher in every church, every Christian has to go and study Bigfoot stuff. I'm not saying that at all. But don't, don't make fun and don't laugh at the people who are taking the Bible seriously on this issue and other issues that are related to it. Okay? They're studying. They're looking for answers. They're looking for answers. And God promised if you ask, it shall be given. If you seek, it shall be found. If you knock, it will be open unto you. And I believe it's just that simple. Call unto me and I will answer thee. Show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. We've got a new Watchman broadcast. Going to upload it here shortly. We're re rebooting the King James Code. Hallelujah. <laughs> Man, I listen, I had I had so much fun last night recording that. I love talking about the King James Bible and I love talking about the numbers in the Bible. And I hope you enjoy it as well. Got to go. Sweetie pie is waiting for me. You're the reason why we do what we do. Keep us in your prayers. Pray for the people of Kenya. Please pray for them. We need to feed them again. It's been a while since we've been able to. So pray for them, all right? All right. I, I, need, uh, I need happy music here. There we go. 